Hey, you, pass the salt. You know what, why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. <laughs> pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It's time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, we have passed the salt. Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass but we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. i got to ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a coach, Dave Daubenmeyer. Hey, I'm not hearing anything in my ear. I don't hear the background music playing there, Mr. Spencer, or whatever's going on. I don't know if it's something on my end. Good morning, uh, folks. Boy, I had a wonderful night last night. Uh, we had all went out of all the family. We had most of the family over last. And I realized again, it's it's bad when my grandkids come over. It's bad. You know, we got we got three of them about that big, <laughs> about the size of a watermelon. You know, uh, maybe maybe a little bigger than a watermelon. And uh, I just I just look at them and I understand how helpless they are and how dependent they are on all of us. And then I look, then I look up a generation. I look up at my my our 30 year olds we got three 30 year olds michelle and i in their 30s one getting ready to move into his 40s and I realize this they're still they're still just as dependent on <laughs> they're, they're still counting on me they're still counting on our generation right and this whole idea of power uh political power uh cultural power when, when does that pass on to the next generation at what point i remember when john f kennedy 1963 in his inaugural 1961, I'm sorry, in his inaugural address, said something that was really profound. And uh, I was thinking about that yesterday when he said that the torch has been passed to a new generation of Americans born in this century. I could, I used to, when I was a young kid, I memorized that speech, believe it or not. I was kind of a, uh, I don't know, I was a John F. Kennedy wonk right after he got killed. A new generation of Americans born in this century. You know, realize we're passing the torch to a new generation of Americans, but the torch we're passing to them ain't the same torch we got, friends. We're going to have to come to, we're going to have to really, really do some serious soul searching. That's why I wrote, that's why I wore my all-in shirt this morning. I'm all in. I'm all in to passing the torch to the next generation of Americans. And understand that uh, whether we want to admit it or not, those of us in, in my, my generation, I'll be 70 in November. Wow. Can't really say that. Can't even think that. It's gonna be seventy in gen- in November. You do know this, don't you? That our generation has accumulated most of the wealth. We do. We we've accumulated most of it. And the older we get, the more we cling to our wealth, as if you're gonna take it with you, as if it's gonna matter, you know. And so I was I was thinking about uh, the financial situation we find in the collapse of the economy. You watch Bo Polney. You watch some of these people. They say September. Craig Mickle's been all over September, something big going on in September, September 25, September 26, something big going on in September, end of the age type stuff. And you look at the financial situation that we find ourselves in, and you ask yourself, am I, has, have I, as grandpa, as grampy, have I done a good job of preparing the next generation to pass when I pass the torch to them? And I think we'd have to agree that, that uh, especially especially from a Christian perspective, a moral perspective. The values that you, the values, let me ask this in a nice way. Do your children have the same values that you have? 
are, were your, are the values that you were raised with, that the torch passed to the next generation, and then passed to the next generation. Your grand, your kids have, that, have the same values? Do your kids have the same values they got from their father, from your father? Frank passed them to Dave. Dave passed them to Zach. Do Zach, and, do Zach and Frank have the same values? Because that's the way it's supposed to be, see? And we have failed mightily at this task that is before us. Now, the great news is this. It's all about to fall apart. And depending on what your theology might be, some of you think that we're going to be taken out of here, some of you, whatever, God's not appointed us under wrath, yada, 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 yada. I get that. But he also didn't appoint the people in the 1930s under wrath either, did they? And they went through the, one of the most hellish times that a person could ever go through, the, the depression of the 1930s. And it was the same Christianity, the same God, the same Jesus Christ, the same Holy Spirit that allowed them to meander and mud their way through that financial collapse. Are we looking at another one? And if we're looking at another one, what is it going to be that people are going to turn to? What are they going to turn to when the dollar isn't a dollar anymore? What are they going to turn to? I'm ta- look, look, I'm talking about us. I'm talking about me and you. The stuff that we're clinging to, oh, do I have enough for retirement? What? I have enough for retirement. Dude, are you watching what's going on around you? Retirement? We're fighting for the very life of this nation, let alone your retirement. So, Coach, what are you saying? I'm just saying, man, invest now. Invest now. Invest now. And quit looking so much at yourself. I was thinking yesterday, I was watching those little – Rugrats running around my house. I'm thinking, oh, my God, Lord, Jesus, what am I leaving to them? What can I do right now, Lord, that's going to make their life more effectual? That's really what I thought. Because I saw as I sat there, I saw me, my mom and my Aunt Donna, my mom's sister. We grew up together. And I saw Jamie and Robin and Beth Ann and me and Dan and Bill. That, that, was, that was right in front of me there. That was the relationship we had. It was right in front of me. And then how 50, 60, however many years later, the reality of living life in this world in which we live, the reality of it was right before us. How many, how many of those people I just grew up together are serving the Lord, are carrying on the values of their mom and dad? And I hate to tell you, not many of them. Not many. It's because we're so overwhelmed and we're attacked on so many sides by so many different things. That if, that if your life is about you and your enjoyment and your pleasure and your safety, you are of all men most miserable. That's what the Bible says. I gave it. It's a paraphrase. But if you're living your life for you, you are miserable. You're a miserable guy. But I have to be, I have to be honest with you. I get up every day and I fight, I, fight that, I fight that selfish guy inside of me. I do. Say, so, oh my goodness! If I if I do this and do that, what am I going to do ten years from now? What are, you know? Who's going to take care? Really, really? I mean, really? And this thing that we call Christianity is supposed to be a tag team handoff. I'm supposed to teach it to my kids, who will teach it to their kids. And I gave my wife a great big hug today because our daughters, Abby and Maggie, are the absolute most unbelievable mothers that I've ever been around. And I said to Michelle, "That's your legacy. You taught those girls how to be a mother." It's unbelievable. Now, I know some of you out there right now, you know, you know what I'm talking about because your son may be married a girl and she ain't a good mother. And you say, geez, who's taking care of those kids? 
right? That's legacy. That's the stuff that we're supposed to be passing down. And so we look around us, we say, how do we get in this mess that we're in? All we have to do is look at how secularized we become. No Christianity, no truth, no common set of values, no common set of right and wrong. I'm riding off in the sunset, praying for the rapture. We're sick people. We're sick Christians. I'm I'm going to say this. Just pull up your toes a minute. It only hurt for a minute. Those of us who are clinging to the rapture are the most selfish generation ever born. That we want out of here? What, what, hey, friends, let me ask you something. Maybe, maybe most of you weren't a football coach. Maybe you, maybe you weren't. You weren't a football coach, so you don't understand this. <clears throat> I didn't play guys who quit. I, di- I didn't play guys, if I knew it, I didn't put guys on the field who just rode on the coattails of others. I didn't do that. No. Everybody was all in. Everybody was all in, or they didn't go out on the field. And we have a Christianity today. I'm, listen, I'm not trying to beat anybody up with a theology. I'm just telling you the truth. We have a theology today where you aren't, people aren't all in. In fact, they're hoping to be all out. <clears throat> most, most of the churches, most of, our American churches are not preaching a message of what? Occupying. We're supposed to be occupying, not retreating, not being raptured. It was really real to me last night again. As I looked around, the patriarch of this family. I'm in, I'm the guy. I'm the patriarch of this family. And I'm looking down through there and I'm wondering if, if my values are going to be passed into my grandchildren. I like what I see with my son-in-laws. I think so. I think so. I like what I see with my daughters. I think so. But the Bible says that we have to be careful. Because I wish you could find it right now. You know, the Holy Spirit says things to me, and I don't always know where the scripture is. That those of us who continue, the Bible teaches us, that those who continue to teach these values to our children make them a prey. Did you know that? That if you're teaching solid, strong Christian values to your children, you're setting them up to be a prey. A prey of what? P-R-E-Y a prey of a culture and a society that has rejected God, a culture and society controlled by the devil. If you're teaching your children to have strong opinions, to stand up for those strong opinions, to have strong moral values, and to live by those strong moral moral values, you are setting your children up to be a prey. So from that standpoint, we all, all think about this. Teaching of values to your neighbor's children it's critically important. You missed that. <clears throat> Teaching the same values to your neighbor's children is critically important. Because if you are not teaching Christian values, American Christian values, if we're not teaching those in American public schools, and you're teaching your children, you're training them in homeschooling, and you're training them in <clears throat> Christian education, I'm going to tell you something. The public schools are creating a devil's team. Don't have, don't. Hey, I'm sorry. God bless all the good Christian teachers that are in there. God bless the fact that the, uh, God bless you all. I'm going to tell you this: <clears throat> you can't serve two masters. And we're training our children. We, I, my my daughters are doing our our daughters are doing everything they can to raise their children as Christians, and they're going to put them into a non-Christian world. That's how you set them up to be a prey. 
You guys picking up what I'm laying down here today? See, this is really, really serious stuff. This is more than just about Joe Biden and Donald Trump and Hunter's laptop. And it's, it's, so much, it's so much deeper, deeper, deeper than that. And I think the theme of the show today is I'm going to talk to you a little bit about legacy. I, this is all from the Holy Spirit. I, I, got, I had something different, but I'm, I know where I'm going to go now. And uh, I'm going to get Myra in and pray. I'm going to let Craig give us an update. Don't go away. Don't, don't go away. I'm going to show you some stuff here that, that is critical for us to understand. So Myra, go ahead and pray us in there if you would. Yes, Coach, I will be more than happy. So it is written, and that is going to be Romans 5, 8 through 11. That is Romans 5, 8 through 11. But God commanded his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. Whoa, 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 whoa. God committed his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But much more than now being justified by his blood, we shall be saved what? what? From wrath? I thought we were, huh? I thought he loved everybody. Go ahead, Myra. Yes, coach. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. You guys missed it, Meyer. I'm sorry. Verse 10, for if when we were enemies. You see that, friends? The unsaved are enemies of Christ. Sorry. Sorry. That's why it's important to get them saved. Do a little bit of recruiting here, if you know what I'm talking about. Take them out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of their dear, dear into his dear son. Get them off that team onto this team, because those are enemies. Go ahead, Myra. Yes, Coach. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have received the atonement. Mm. Holy Spirit, you're welcome to Coach Dave Haddle, and we open our hearts to you, our released anointing that breaks the power of evil in Jesus' name. Amen. Webster's, Spencer. Webster's. 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 Atone. Atone. Hmm. To agree, to be in accordance, to accord, to stand as an equivalent, to make a reparation, amend, or satisfaction for an offense or a crime by which reconciliation is procured between the offended and the offending parties. Don't ever make them, don't you, listen, don't you ever forget this, that you're an enemy of Christ. You're an enemy of, of the cross until the atonement. If the atonement is, that means the offended one forgives. That's an atonement. See, the one offending can ask for forgiveness. That's why Jesus, when he hung on the cross, he said, 
Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, why did he say that? Why didn't he say, I just forgive everybody. I just, everybody's forgiven. Everybody's forgiven. Because why? And the only way that you can receive for true forgiveness is to admit your fault. I'm sorry I was wrong. I'm sorry I was an enemy of yours. Please forgive me. Then it switches to the forgiver. The forgiven asks for forgiveness. That's all a forgiver, that's all a sinner can do, ask for forgiveness. And it's up to the one who's been offended to determine whether or not that is sufficient repentance. Right? And our offense against Christ has been so absolutely immeasurable. We can go to our day of repentance, and I'm all for that, and I'm glad we are, day of humiliation and prayer. Then we put the ball in his court. And uh, we're going to have to ask whether or not our genuine repentance was, in fact, an atonement. Was it really enough? Was it really genuine? Did we really go and humble ourselves before the Lord and then continue to serve other things in our lives? You ever have a little kid come and apologize? One of your kids, whoever, give an apology to you. Say, hey, David, quit hitting Mia. Tell me you're sorry. Tell me you're sorry. And David goes, mm, sorry, Mia. You know he didn't mean it. You know he didn't mean it. How many times you go before the Lord and say, oh, sorry, sorry, Lord. He didn't mean it. When any change at all in your behavior, no change at all. And that's the point where we better ask ourselves, was there an atonement there? Was there atonement? Did the Lord really see a broken and contrite heart? Because the Bible says that a broken and contrite heart, he won't refuse. I'm going to tell you something. We ain't broken and we ain't contrite. Pray gets there. I was on a conference call yesterday regarding our event coming up. And I had the most unbelievable, I was on my front porch. I had the most unbelievable, I couldn't even hear the people I was talking to. So Craig or somebody want to come in and kind of give us an update of where we are here on this on this uh, tremendous September 2060 event. Hey, Coach, where, where we're at, you know, we've secured a residential, you know, farmhouse that sleeps up to 30, maybe a few more on uh, air mattresses and that uh, we have a basic itinerary that we're going to get out so people know um, what we're going to be doing. Um, part of it is we're going to be providing um, two, me- two meals, you know, as far as dinners on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, we'll have some continental breakfast stuff in the morning. We're coming up with a plan as far as um, maybe uh, an activity. We're going to leave some free, free time for people that want to come to Gettysburg. They can kind of go out and check the battlefield out on their own um, and we're going to be trying to line up a few speakers in the evening for um, you know between seven and nine on Saturday and Sunday night to uh, for just two hours we're not gonna make it a big speaker thing we're just gonna provide that opportunity uh, Monday we've got um, John Diamond's working uh, what we're gonna do with that uh, we have a recreation facility that we got to secure I'm gonna we're gonna get that done today right outside the battlefield and what's going to be doing is um yourself john diamond and potentially some other people from brideon are going to be live casting from that recreation facility and then we have a uh 
place on the battlefield, we are going to save that, or we're going to meet and have a, a prayer of repentance for about 20 to 30 minutes. So that's kind of the basics of it, but we will have something firmed up here by the, I would say towards the latter part of the week, very, very firm. Okay, Craig, so if they're, if they're marking it on their calendar, what days do they want to keep open there? Well, we're going to, okay, it depends, you, you know, you can come and go as you like. There's there's plenty of hotels and all kinds of things, so you don't, you know, you don't necessarily have to be attached to the house that we're, we're renting, but I think. No, no, that's be, not what I mean. When, when, what days? Okay, well, uh, if we're going to be at the, at the house. We're going to have it Friday evening, okay, which is September 23rd, Saturday, September 24th. Sunday, September 25th, and Monday is when you're going to be doing your show, your remote, and then we're going to be going to a location on the battlefield to pray uh, intercessory prayers over our nation. And then we're going to so just wrap it up. Folks can come all weekend if they want to, is what you're saying. They can come all weekend. There will be an event done on, on Monday. Uh, we'll be a prayer and repentance on Monday, but really we'll be doing prayer and repentance throughout the whole weekend. And folks, we are, uh, we think this is important because we're on the verge of a civil war. You do know that, don't you? We're on, we're on the verge of a great second civil war. And so, uh, again, uh, we have to cry out for that mercy and for that, for that atonement. Uh, Mel, come on in. Yeah, Spencer, if you could bring up the LibertyActionNetwork.com website for me, please. I wanted to show you guys a couple of things that I've been working on behind the scenes. The Liberty Action Network website is going to be the hub of information. So as we develop more pieces of this, we'll be updating it here. So um, you'll notice on the top navigation bar, there's now a button called Actions. So you can either click the scrolling red banner that's at the top or the, the Actions button. Mm-hmm. There. You can go ahead and just click that, Spencer, just to show them that. And then um, also on the top navigation bar, two down from that is called the forum. If you can click on that, Spencer. I'm sorry, click on what again? On on the top navigation bar to the right of, um, there you go, the forum. Oh, okay. So um, if you log in and if you're a member of the Liberty Action Network, you can access the forum. And within the forum, um, there are work groups for um, the stakeholders, the Air Force, the infantry. Um, but what I've added is a um, is a a conversation about this event specific, which is at the top. So you can see it there, September 22, a calling to the people for the month. So anyway, you can actually go in there, have conversations, talk about you know what you're working on, what's working, talk about whatever you like. But then the different teams, I'm, I'm really challenging you all. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I want you to start talking to each other and developing plans and um, sharing information about what you can do in your role to support this event. Thank you. Thanks, Mel. Um, working hard trying to bring this together in a very short period of time, folks. And listen, we're also going to encourage people uh, who can't come to uh, to Gettysburg to pray where they are, to have a Gettysburg event right where they are, organized Gettysburg events. Now, you can go online and you can print off all of those uh, all of those uh, PDF forms, you can, uh, Lincoln's speech, uh, the appeal that we're making, all that stuff. Copy those and hand those out to other people. Okay, cool. I don't want to. I don't want to get. I don't want to get buried on this. This is really, really critical, and, and uh, really important. Myra, come in quickly. Coach, I just want to give praise and glory to the Father because of um, the huddle. I spoke yesterday with Craig and Rusty, and um, Rusty's son 
help in the recorder of uh, the Proclamation 85 that Joe Farrow did. And so grateful for all we got. We're really um, blessed. And um, also want to remind everybody that we have the um, Christian Revolution uh, prayer tonight at 7.30. So we look forward uh, to meeting with you. And I wanted to um, read um, Ephesians 6, 10 to 13. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wrestle of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto the whole armor of God that ye may, may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Hallelujah. Do all, then stand. Do all, then stand. Craig. Well, another thing that Mel's uh, you know, going to be having here shortly, she's got a few things on website, that is going to be the, uh, the, the hub for these types of things and the latest information. But these videos that Rusty's son is making, the one that we had of Abraham Lincoln that you shared yesterday, okay, that's, that's the proclamation. Let's just call that Proclamation 1861. <clears throat> A call to the people, which is 2022, which has the six things that we need to atone for for our generation over the last 70 years. His son is going to have that done today or tomorrow. All right. And so you're going to be able to click on those things and share them on your social media, your family, your friends, your church, whatever connections that you have. OK. And you're going to have downloadable PDFs that attach exactly to those videos. So we really need the people. This is a people thing. We need you to share it. And John Diamond is going to be sending out a press release to all his contacts you're going to be sending out press releases to your contacts. So this thing is going to start to get some legs here in a very short time. But, you know, it's the people that are going to have to make this happen. Amen. Amen. And uh, listen, folks, it takes some money to do it. We've, we've, we've got a pretty good financial commitment, commitment into this. Just ask you to help us out. If you can't go, you can't go. Help us out. And you can organize. Again, you can organize locally. Uh, I, I don't know what I don't know. Uh, rather than speaking negative about the pastors and the churches, let's just pray that this is that the Lord will touch their heart and they will ignite the hearts of pastors all across this land. Um, prayer and repentance, man. Prayer and repentance. Amen. Amen. Okay, I'm going to, wow, 727. Got a lot of good stuff I want to share with you today. Um, I saw this yesterday. Spencer, I just sent it to you. It says, Escaping Babylon. Escaping Babylon. Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate and touch not the unclean thing. And if you would be honest, if I were to be honest, we would have to admit that Babylon, whatever that is, <clears throat> is so inculcated in every area of our life. They, they got the churches, folks. They broke the churches. They turned church into the blessing center the feel-good center. You, they, they turned the church into a hospital for saints. That's what they did. Onward, Christian soldiers. I wonder how many churches that's been sung at in the last year. 
wonder if that's being, uh, stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. I wonder how many times that's been sung as, rather than, open my eyes, Lord, I want to see Jesus. It's been a whole transformation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are in the mess we are in because Christianity changed folks. We need a reformation. Jeff, go Jeff now, go quickly, then, then we'll play this. Go. Yeah, I was at the Labor Day Parade, and the Episcopal Church float went by, and I said, you only endorse this mutilation of the genitalia, and the guy on the float gave thumbs up. Yeah, of course. They're not even a church. Okay, so this is the American dream, four minutes and 21 seconds. Uh, <clears throat> just, just watch this. This is pretty profound. Escaping Babylon. We, we have to disassociate with this. Go ahead. A lot of imagery here. Hey folks, Spencer here. Uh, we're going to cut out this portion because it was a four minute long video that had no audio other than uh, music. So uh, if you want to see the video, you can go in the description of the show and the link is in the description. So you can watch the video there. It was a really good video, but uh, four minutes of just music. So we'll go ahead and cut to coach right now. Come to me, all who are weary, burdened, and I'll give you rest. Uh, John uh, Spencer, if you will, just put that in the chat. Uh, I think that's I think that's pretty profound. The rat race where we find ourselves, and the rat race, whether we know it or not, we're leading our children into and our grandchildren, and follow the leader and seeking happiness, and that's that's what the gospels become. Listen, I'm not uh, I'm not a downer. I'm not uh, depressed. I'm not discouraged. I'm just realistic, folks. I'm just showing you what where we are exactly what's going on, okay? Now, look, I, I want to shift gears here uh, quickly because um, I want to – Appalachia. I call it app. They put a long A in it. You know, we talked about that a little bit yesterday. I got several emails about Appalachia, Appalachia, Appalachia. The Appalachian Mountains or the Appalachian Mountains, depending on where you live, right? And I, I just want to show you some stuff that – Look, friends, hillbillies, I can't, uh, I can't think of a better term to use than hillbillies. That's Appalachian. Those are Appalachian people. They were hillbillies. And they were a race of people just the same as the blacks and just the same as the Hispanics. They were a, they were a large section of American culture who, by the way, hate to tell you this, was Christ-centered, and they were an inbreeding of many, many, many types of cultures and societies. And when we talk about the Appalachian Mountains and how I was telling people that I went to that, that event on, on Saturday or Sunday and I looked around and said, man, this is, a, this is an entirely different culture, these people down here. And I was prompted to go back and look up number two, Appalachia, Appala- Appalachian culture. Just, I want to run down through some things. This, this said 40 facts about Appalachia that you probably didn't. Folks, this is just as much a white culture, hear me, as the Indians were a red man culture, or the inner city has become a black man's culture. This is our heritage. Many of us, this is our heritage. This is what I've, this is what I've climbed out of. And understand this. This is who Hillary and, and, and Biden and the Luciferians are calling 
They're calling us evil, see? You understand this? Do you understand that what we're seeing is an attack on, how many times do I have to say it, the white Christian evangelical, do you you understand that or not? And do you understand this, that the Appalachian culture is a mixture of all race. It is the original melting pot. That is the, that's the culture I grew up in, friends. I didn't grow up on the West Coast. I didn't grow up on the East Coast. Am I pointing the right way? I didn't, that's not why I didn't grow up in Chicago. I didn't grow, I grew up in the midst of this. And you're going to see that there are millions and millions of us who do. And we have to come to grips with the fact that they are using culture, race, to divide Christianity, my friends. They have to. Scroll down here real quick. I'm not going to read all of them. I'll put it in the chat because this is fascinating. Just 40 facts about that. Number one, the banjo came out of Appalachia. Go ahead, next one. Just roll down through these here. The dulcimer was developed in Appalachia Hills. They didn't even know. They still don't know where the dulcimer came from. Basket making thrived in Appalachia. Widespread today. The time required to travel in the mountains led to distinctive local diets. They ate. They ate game. They had to shoot and kill. They. That's what they shot rabbits and ate them. They shot squirrels and ate them. They fished and ate them. Appalachians were forced to become dependent on themselves. They worked in coal mines. They lived along rivers. To preserve oneself, one had to learn to conserve everything. That's why we laugh. Folks, I don't know if you noticed this or not. Stop right there a minute. Do you ever drive down in the hills and notice the old wrecked cars that are sitting in people's yards? Old broken down cars? Why? Because they were taught to preserve everything. Don't throw that car away. We might need a spare tire off of that someday. Don't throw that away. We may be able to pull one of those seats out of there and use it. And it's become the culture. When you drive down into the hills of Appalachia, all you see are old cars sitting in people's yards. It's a cultural thing. It's, it's like hip-hop in the ghetto. It's Appalachia. Go on down. 17. Coal mines and company towns in Appalachia added to the pot of reputation for poverty. It was hard work. Go on. Keep going. Let's go faster. There's the old The future was equally as bleak and the logging camps. They logged. Here's an old education was sporadic and often low quality throughout the region. That's why they called them hillbillies. That's why we laughed at them. Many Appalachians resented the attitudes of outsiders toward them. Those southern Appalachians. Did you? Hey, hey, hey. Did you ever watch Deliverance? Did you ever watch Deliverance? What do you think that was? That was a culture. Dare I say it? A white mixed culture. And we saw in Deliverance. You can't go home again. Keep going. 22. There's a bunch of them. They're good. The music. We got mountain music out of Appalachia. Go ahead. We got Appalachia, the homeland of bluegrass music. Thank God for bluegrass music. The Appalachians developed a culture of fierce independence. Didn't mess with them, boys. The mountain dance folk. Hank Williams. Hank Williams came out of there. Elvis came out of there. The Appalachian has provided some American musical icons. Right there, that picture, Spence. There, folks, there's Appalachia. Down, no, no, I'm sorry. There's Appalachia in the white. Look how large a section of America that is. And notice it stops almost at sky high. Are you guys, are you guys seeing that? Remember when I told you that sky high is the foothill, first foothill of the Appalachian Mountains? There it is, boys and girls, right there in front of you. 
And this is a culture and a society of mixed breeds. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Throwing that racist thing. There's, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. There ain't very many people in Appalachia that are pure white folk. Just telling you. Just telling you, folks. Huh? Check that family tree. Keep going on down. Keep on going on down. What exactly is Appalachia? It's a geolo- It's a term talking about geology, Appalachia. We don't need to worry about that, but it came, came about. Uh, Appalachians have a rich folklore. It's part of the American folk tradition. Hillbillies, food stuff, Beverly Hillbillies. Remember all that? Appalachian radio stations help spread the culture to other areas. Keep going. War on poverty, Appalachian economy continued to lag behind the rest of the nation. Why? They were in the hills. They were coal miners. They were lumberjacks. They, they just had to survive whatever they did. They built these old houses. The influence of religion is everywhere in the Appalachian culture. This is what they're after, man. Double doors don't necessarily mean a house. Is it? Going. <laughs> that's, that's just a side note. Love spoons were a sign of proposal presented to a prospective bride. You want to get engaged in you gave her a spoon. That's it. Oh my goodness. Quilting bees were used to predict the next to be married. 35, keep going. This is tradition. Christmas in Appalachia had its own special customs and celebrations. Appalachian superstitions surrounding Christmas all came from Scotland and Wales. Do you understand that this is a multicultural group of people, the ultimate multicultural. The Appalachian migration spread its culture west and north. The hillbillies, the Midwest, flyover country. Appalachia agriculture remained mostly a family affair. Family farms. They used to dot all of this area. Tourism became the major industry throughout Appalachia. That's one of the things that screwed them up. You guys go to the Smoky Mountains, you want to go, there it is. Appalachia continued to lag behind the rest of the nation. Wow, this is something, isn't it? Huh? Now, I want to show you something else. It's kind of personal for me. Go to number three. Go to number three, Spencer. I'm a Melungeon. Me, me. I'm a Melungeon. I'm part of the lost tribe of Appalachia. That's, That's me, folks. Scroll down here. Let's read some of this stuff. Can you make it bigger, Spencer? This isn't real long. Bear with me a second. One of the most... Fascinating genealogy stories to surface in the last decade is the enigmatic story of the Melungeons, me, sometimes called the Lost Tribe of Appalachia. The Melungeons are people of mixed ethnicity who claim varying degrees of Portuguese, Turkish, Moorish, Arabic, Jewish, American Indian, and African descent. You talk about the melting pot, that's the Melungeons. Who are the Melungeons? There it is. Typically, the term Melungeon refers to people from eastern Kentucky, southwestern Virginia, eastern Tennessee, and southern West Virginia, according to their own uh, uh, related mixed ancestry populations. Also include the Carmel Indians of southern Ohio, the brown people in Kentucky, the Guineas of West Virginia, the Sorts of Maryland, the Nanticook Moors of Delaware, the Cuban, Cubans and Portuguese of North Carolina, the Turks and the Brass Ankles of southern Cal- South uh, Carolina and the Creoles and the Red Bones of Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana. Do you have any idea how large this culture of people is? And it's the one that they're most attacking. Most families in Appalachia have some Melungeon roots, although many aren't aware of them or try to keep them a family secret after suffering from centuries of Anglo American racism. 
my wife's mother was a hated Italian who had to hide in the hills. Talk to me about just blacks being persecuted. After suffering from centuries of Anglo-American racism, many families have purposely buried their Melungeon ancestry, making genealogical research a challenge. It's ironic that families went to such pains to cover up their heritage, and now 150 years later, we're going to such pains to uncover it. Are you a Melungeon? Are you a Melungeon? Scroll down. The hardest question for somebody asks is, are you, am I one? <laughs> huh? Well, here's the characteristics. You want to know if you're a Melungeon? You have dark hair and skin with light-colored eyes. Stark contrast in skin and hair color within a single family. Well, I look at my daughter's family. Whoa, <laughs> they got them all. They got the rainbow. Somehow, they have American Indian features, a particular type of bump or ridge at the back of the head, usually just above the neck, known as a Melungeon bump. What race is a Melungeon? Well, the Melungeon's origins are still being debated. Some researchers believe, believe they descend from the lost colony of Roanoke down there by Mark Trump, and ended up marrying into American Indian families. Others say the Melungeons descended from the legendary Welsh explorer Madoc, who supposedly explored the southern Appalachian region in the 1100s. So others theorize that the Melungeons was merely a tri-racial mix of Caucasian Europeans, escaped African-American slaves, and American Indians. So the Melungeons, the Appalachian culture, goes back, go back up there again, Spence. The Appalachian culture, underline that last line. Folks, if you're a white guy living in the Midwest, chances are pretty good. You're a tri-racial mix of Caucasian Europeans, escaped African-American slaves, and American Indians. They interbred. Wow. Here's the last names that you'll find of the Melungeons. I looked for Dobbenmeyer, Wolfshire, wasn't it? Bowling, Bunch, Chavis, Collins, Epps, Evans, Bob, Fields, Francisco, Gibson, Gill, Three, Goins, Tom Gill, look out. Goodman, Miner, Wise, Moore, Mullins, Osborne, Phipps, Reeves, Rives, Rivers, Revs, Ridley, Rodriguez, Stowers, Vanover, Williams, Wise, Melungeon people. Wow. Okay. You say, Coach, what's this got to do with anything? Because, my friends, this is our this, this is the NASCAR crowd. And how many times have I uttered that I believe that the real pushback in America is not going to come from the Christians. It's going to come from the NASCAR crowd. It's going to come from these guys down here that the characteristic, no front teeth, carrying guns, working in coal mines, these old boys ain't giving up easy. And you better know this, and we all better know this, that at the root of the Melungeon, at the root of the Appalachian culture is Christ. No matter how much, how well they serve us. <clears throat> Look, I'm, so, I'm sorry if this isn't fascinating to you. It's fascinating to me. One more thing, and I'll get you in here, Georgia. One more thing. Give me number, give me number three. Give me, no, 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 I'm sorry. Give me number four. Number four. This is fascinating. Couldn't believe this. America's been at war 93% of the time since 1776. 222 out of 239 years, America has been fighting a war someplace. Now, Spencer, just scroll down this real quickly. Here are the wars. Look at this. This started 1776 to 2011. These are the wars. Go ahead. Look at them. Oh, there was there, no war. 98, 97, 98, no wars. Go on. Keep going. 
Oh, no, no major war. Coach, don't forget the war on drugs. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Unbelievable, huh? Look at this. We're warmongers, warmongering Americans. No war, huh? No major wars. <clears throat> Unbelievable. Okay, God, I took up taking up the whole time. <clears throat> RL, come on in. Come on in. And then Roger. Hey, Coach. Coach, it's ironic. I was uh, looking at a little bit of this yesterday. You know, I have a great interest in it, but uh, the word Appalachian uh, was aptly, actually, A-P-A-L-A-C-H-E-N. And I believe it come, came from the 1600s down in North Florida. And uh, also, ironically, uh, the Appalachian Mountains extend all the way up into uh, uh, France-owned territory in the north. And uh, I, I haven't read all of this yet, but I, I really find this interesting because I live in Appalachia all my life. And I know about Melungeon, too. <laughs> and uh, one more thing about this is <laughs> way back when, those Appalachians were formed by volcano, volca <laughs> volcanoes on each side of the mountain, uh, which sucked uh, everything in the bottom of the sea up and sucked it up. It's going east from Morgantown. There's a place over there called Sunning Mountain. And the, uh, that was caused from an upheaval because the layers of the earth aren't uh, horizontal. Uh, they're they're uh, stacked in angle. And I'll shut up. Uh, I love that history. Right, well, here's, here's, here's the truth, R.L. We've been lied to by, by about a lot of stuff, folks. I'm going to tell you something. The Appalachian roots, the Melungeon roots, are so, they're deeper or as deep as American Indian folks. I'm just, I'm just telling you. We have been so lied to. And do you understand the discrimination that my my wife's Grandfather, do you have any idea the discrimination he endured? You understand that his whole life he had to go in, he slept at night and went into darkness during the day in those coal mines, went so far back into those coal mines that he probably never saw the light of day. And to have his ancestors today be told that they have white privilege, it ought to just freaking drive us. I'm where I am. Amen. Because of my Melungeon ancestors who fought like dogs for a better life for their children. Only today to be hated of all men. And don't understand this. It ain't the color of the skin. Because I guess I ain't white. It's who we claim to serve. Roger. Oh, movie deliverance. Good understanding to some extent. People should see that. Gangs of New York, terrible a movie from a standpoint of visuals, but it aptly describes what immigrants went through in this country. But the thing I was going to add is uh, the war on drugs. I think they purposely are failing it because you look at the Appalachian area and fentanyl, it's at epidemic proportions. It's as if they're destroying those areas purposely. 
Amen. Amen. They got to get rid of us guys, us old Melungeons, folks. And not, it's not about skin color. It's about culture. It's about the heart of the American culture. They have to destroy that. Hang on a second, because you said something, Roger. Bring up number six for me real quick, Spencer. Number six. It's only about 40, 48 seconds, I think. I want you all to see it. This is Reinhard. Uh, um, what's his last name? It doesn't matter. Go ahead. Minute, 22 seconds. There's a bigger agenda driving this, and this agenda is about life and death. Only if people understand how serious it is, these people are trying to literally kill us. Because they, and this is another thing that people need to understand, they have infiltrated all levels of society, and they have been doing this for the past 30 years. That's why everyone is acting in lockstep. And that's why we need to make this clear to the people that the that they've been they've been very successful they've been really good at what they're doing that's why we have to understand that we cannot trust our leaders because they're not our leaders they're they're the ones who were infiltrated into the judiciary into medicine uh, the economy politics they're their leaders we can only trust ourselves that's why we must connect with each other start Amen. all these um, this is what I feel is really important. Step away from that system. Um, blow them out of the water when we have the chance to do that. All these inter- global NGOs, global corporations, it's, they're collapsing. Right now they're collapsing. We need to set up our own self-sufficient communities and then connect with each other. That's what gives us the power. Amen, dude, amen. Come on in there, Joanne, then, then Neil. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to make comment that um, the Appalachian Mountains run right into Maine, and they go through the area where we are and where I live. Um, even myself, uh, our um, ancestry is Native American Indian, Welsh, and Scottish. A lot of Scottish and Welsh in the area. The original melting pot, right, Joanne? The original melting pot, folks. They have lied to us, and they use racism to stir up division. That's all they do. Neil, come on in. Yeah, Saturday night, my youngest son and I went to a short track race back up home there. And usually the fans are wearing uh, a T-shirt from their favorite race car driver. I never saw at a race so many people wearing shirts with firearms, uh, representing Mm. the firearm companies. So I believe you're right. It's nice to go someplace where there's no libtards. And you can, yep. you know, you're around people, five, 6,000 people were there. It was just incredible. You know, Neil, what's really amazing is the average American citizen does not agree what our children are being, does not agree with what our children are being taught, yet do nothing about it. I'm talking what, 70%, I would believe 70% of Americans aren't libtards. Yet libtard is the religion that we're teaching our children. They've seized those positions. They've seized the churches. Julie. Good morning. Thanks, Coach. Um, you know how you were talking about the or you know, the parts of Appalachian. That's why so many of them want our 23andMe and all these other things that do your DNA to find out exactly what you have in you, and then they're going to go after that. Uh, well, <laughs> me, now listen, I don't do DNA tests. I'm, not, I'm never going to do DNA tests, and I suggest that you not do it as well, because they want to get our DNA, 
Oh, they want to get your DNA so they can come up with a bioweapon that will kill you. That's what, that's really what's going on. Got to show you another one real quick, okay? And number nine, number nine, number nine. Boy, I'm about out of time. I just, I'm just getting started. Just getting started here today. Number nine, Jared Kushner. Once you listen to this, Jared Kushner thinks he's going to live forever. Scroll down, Spencer. Huh? This is only, y'all listen close. Y'all listen close. This is only about 30 seconds. Go ahead. Friend. And, and then finally, I think that from, uh, you know, the last year, the one thing I've tried to put a priority on since I left the White House was, you know, getting some exercise in. I think that there's a, a good probability that my generation is hopefully with the advances in science, either, you know, the, the, the first generation to live forever or the last generation that's going to die. And so uh, we need to keep ourselves in, in pretty good shape. And then the other thing I like. Did you hear that? This guy has a president's ear, former president's ear. This is his son-in-law. And he said, we're going to be the first generation not to die. We're going to live forever. Huh. By the way, just throw this out there. I think he's an Ashkenazi Jew. Not that that matters. But he certainly doesn't have Christian values. RL, do you want back in here? Joanne, just your hands up there. I'm about out of time. Got anything else I want to throw? Anything else? Yeah. Andy, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Joanne. I just, I just think it's a really sad fact that, you know, they think that they're going to live beyond what God has expected us to live. It's just, it's just um, no expression. It's atheism, it's atheism, man. That's why they hate us. Randy, go ahead. Coach Kushner is a Zionist. He, he's, there's no doubt about it. He is in Donald Trump's household, but let me tell you something. House divided can't stand, Coach. So we don't know if Trump's using his information for the white hats or we don't know what. We really don't. So I hope, it's, I hope they're using his information to, against them. I, I believe they are. Okay, folks. Amen, Randy. So, folks, listen. The Bible tells us this, that we are not to be ignorant of his devices. All right? Not the big now, number one. We we've got to <clears throat> we have got to st- st- stab it with our steely knives, right? But you just can't kill the beast. We have got to kill Christian racism. We've got to kill. We have to kill that, friends. We have to kill it. And I hate to tell you this: a lot of what we see as denominationalism is, in fact, a form of racism in the churches. People are divided off onto into how do I say it? Theological races. They're now theologically race. I'm ask somebody uh, what uh, what what religion are you? They'll tell you the denomination, right? And the idea that of the Melungeons, the Melungeons are the integration of black and white, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in His sight. That is the image. Ain't no racist, man. Ain't no Jew. Ain't no Greek. And no man ain't no woman. Why? Because we are inside, first and foremost, spiritual beings. We're spiritual beings. Living a natural experience. If we continue to focus on outward appearances, we will never get to the point where we're going to be able to collectively advance the kingdom of God. Advance the kingdom of God. Isn't that something? Boom. Okay. Boom. Call me what you want. I don't know what I am, but I'm a lot. All that stuff mixed together. Joanne, quickly. 
Yes, um, maybe he's professing his faith because that's what the Christians believe they'll live forever and, and yeah. that Jesus is coming back. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we would probably believe it, right? Joe Allen. Let's not forget about the Melungeon area in the Appalachian, the dark place in our history where the Ku Klux Klan came out of. Yeah, amen, amen. Hey, listen to my story about a man named Jed, poor mountaineer, barely kept his family fed. Then one day he was shooting at some food. Went up through the round, come bubbling crude. Oil, that is. Black gold. Texas tea. Well, the first thing you know, old Jed's a millionaire. Kin folks said, Jed, move away from there. So he moved to California. Place you ought to be. It's us. God bless you. Let's see, Mark. <laughs>